Good job, all you racists up in Virginia. Good job, racist Virginians, electing the white guy, the black woman, and the Hispanic guy. Really? I mean, a real big victory for the white supremacy and the patriarchy. I'll tell you, this is good stuff. Yeah, uh, I think at this time, what we really need is for everybody now to come together. Don't you think? Isn't that, isn't that what we're supposed to say? After an election of this sort, the key here is that we all come together, that we, we you know, reunite as one people. And you who lost just do what we say now. That is the lesson of 2020. I think we're all on board. Welcome to the program. Hope you're doing well. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I'm pretty sure most people are doing well today that are listening to this program. (laughs) Going to go out on a limb here. Uh, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And uh, a a couple of things. We're going to go over the races. We also have the Speaker of the House. Uh, We usually talk with Tim Moore on Tuesdays because, you know, alliteration. But uh, he was, you know, busy running the session. So uh, yesterday, so we got him on today. We'll talk with him later on in the program. wonder if he has some thoughts about what happened. I wonder if this is going to happen. You know, the the rumor is he's going to run for Congress. That is the rumor. I've not asked him about that yet. (laughs) Yet. Uh, But yeah, so I'm thinking this might be, what, what do you think? Uh, chances for Republicans in 2022, better or worse? I don't know. Um, and look, there's still a lot that can happen. We're going to go through, uh, you know, some of the predictions and such. I, I've said before, I do not predict electoral outcomes. And even after an election is over, like I, I will bring to you today lots of other people's analysis, quote unquote, but it is all guesswork. All right. So I, I, I give you this with the big caveat here. Nobody really knows. Nobody really knows because everybody who goes in and you know votes, um, they all have different reasons for why they're voting the way they're voting. Now, there are some truisms in electoral politics, right? The biggest one, in my view, and this is just my view on it, just having you know covered politics now for 20 years, is candidates matter. And when those candidates run matters. Sometimes, uh, and by the way, a great example of this is Pat McCrory in 2012 when he ran for governor. In 2012, and um, right, because 2016 is when he lost to um, uh, Roy Cooper, right? But 2012 is when he ran against Walter Dalton. Who? Walter Dalton. Why Walter Dalton? Well, because remember, Bev Perdue quit. Remember, well, she retired. She said she's not going to run for a second term. And because the, the, the timing was much better for Pat McCrory then versus four years prior in 2008 when Bev Perdue beat him, thanks in no small part to Barack Obama's popularity in the state. Timing matters. Um, another great example of this, I firmly believe, you don't have to, I firmly believe that Donald Trump probably would not have won had Hillary Clinton not been his opponent. I also don't believe that Joe Biden would have won had Donald Trump been his opponent or not been his opponent. Right. In other words, Trump, Trump won because of Hillary and Biden won because of four years of Trump. Like the timing matters. The type of candidate that uh, that runs at a particular time matters. 
So there are a lot of people right now saying that uh, Glenn Youngkin uh, out of Virginia, that he is the way forward for the Republicans. And I get the sense that a lot of the people that are making those arguments that are of this belief that they may have a little bit of motivated reasoning going on there. Just a little bit. And I'm not knocking motivated reasoning. It has, it has its place. But I, I suspect there are a lot of people who don't like Donald Trump and don't want the Republican Party to be uh, you know, tied to Donald Trump. And that's why they're saying Glenn Youngkin is the way forward. Glenn Youngkin was, uh, was the way forward for Virginia this year. That's that's my takeaway. And, and again, I'm more about the trends than I am about the snapshots, just like with polling. I think you get more uh, you get more precise data when you look at a trend line than you do a single snapshot in time. And so if you can stack up a bunch of Glenn Youngkins, then maybe, OK, yeah, this is the way forward. But honestly, Glenn Youngkin sounds a lot like a lot of other Republicans that had run before, right? Country club Republican, <laughs> kind of, oh, he's just a suburban dad with the sweater vest, the fleece vest or whatever. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, is that a brand new mold for a GOP candidate? I don't think so. But what was different this time? Well, two things. Number one, you had Joe Biden and you had Democrats and you have all of this this time that Yunkin is running. But also, I would submit, he leaned into the culture war. And I think in the past, a lot of Republicans did not want to do that. And here's a great example of it. Um, and I will take this example from talk radio itself, abortion. The topic of abortion. Talk radio abandoned that topic. Conservatives, Republicans basically abandoned this debate for the better part of 30 years. Um, and as the science evolved on when life begins and all this other stuff, uh, the, the, the fight was not taken up until Dave Delighton out in California, his Centers for Medical Progress, did the undercover videos at Planned Parenthood and exposed what was going on. And all of a sudden, there was a... There was a, an inflection point, I think, for a lot of hosts, but a lot of conservatives and Republicans and even more moderates who had uh, avoided the topic because it was just easier to say, well, right to choose. I'm out, you know, and it was just easier to go with whatever the polling said. And you didn't have to think about it. You just adopted a, a, a bumper sticker bromide or a slogan, and that was enough. And I, I think by not fighting the culture wars when they erupt, the Republicans uh, abandon the field in a lot of cases. And I think on the critical race theory stuff, they can't any longer because it has to do with their kids. It's now like now it's personal, right? You unleashed a lot of mama bears to channel Sarah Palin. Uh, the governor of New Jersey to now make a major projection in the Virginia governor's race. CNN is projecting that Republican Glenn Youngkin has been elected governor of Virginia, defeating Democrat Terry McAuliffe. Youngkin pulling off a critical victory for his party in the highest stakes election of the night. This is the first time Republicans have won an election for Virginia's top office 
in 12 years. Again, CNN projecting Glenn Youngkin has been elected governor of Virginia and Dana Bash. This is the announcement that Joe Biden will not be happy to hear. Uh, and it also shows how incredibly divided this country is. Wait, what? Incredibly divided. Joe Biden isn't happy to hear because he and other very high profile Democrats Wait, went to try to help Terry McCullough. Why is me? Why would that? Why would Youngkin's victory show how divided America is? This is now the opportunity for us to all come together. That's what we were told after the 2020 election. When Biden won, I specifically recall. I mean, I had I had a family member say it. Time to come together, time to unite as one country. I mean, this person was of the left. And so it's like, you know, <laughs> this was what we heard, though. Now that Yunkin wins, this is a sign of how divided we are. Which is weird because it seems like you know, he was able to bring a lot of people over to him. Why is it a divided country when a Republican suburban dad with a fleece vest when he wins why is that divisive it's weird the conventional wisdom among republican consultants up and down the acela corridor for the last few decades was always to leave the icky cultural issues alone and focus on tax cuts and deregulation right this is a piece by Inez Felcher Stepman at thefederalist.com. She's a senior contributor at The Federalist, also a senior policy analyst at the Independent Women's Forum. She says moderates, particularly suburban women, they said, are turned away from the GOP by a focus on rube issues, topics that might get a person labeled racist or bigoted at a dinner party. Fiscally conservative, socially moderate, that was the sweet spot to woo 50.1% of independents. So I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with Stepman's point here. I think for a long time, people on the right have run from culture war battles, um, believing that it wasn't really, you know, uh, you know, most people are with us. I think it was, honestly, I think it was, it was born out of a position that they thought they had the numbers that most people uh, here's a perfect example of it we've been making fun of social justice warriors on college campuses for the better part of 15 years cry closets again like i was sitting right at this very spot mocking college students for their hypersensitivity, trigger warnings, cry closets, all of this stupid stuff that was infecting college campuses, right? Oh, we had such laughs. And the, th- the thinking at the time was that once these kids get out of college and they get into the real world, they're going to get slapped upside the head and they're going to abandon these ridiculous ideas. And what turned out to be The case, though, was the opposite, is that they began spreading this infection into the workplace. And now you got people. There was just an article about this a couple of days ago about how like these uh, these millennial managers. Yeah, the millennials, they're now managers. They are. uh Uh-huh. Right. So they're now. So these managers are scared to death of the kids that are now coming into the workplace. Yeah, because the kids coming into the workplace are are even woker 
even woker. And this is the problem. You're never woke enough. You're never woke enough. So the conventional wisdom, she says, was probably always bunk. But yesterday it was dealt a death blow in Virginia where Republican Glenn Youngkin rode to victory over Democrat Terry McAuliffe in a state that went for Joe Biden by 10 points, largely by focusing on critical race theory and radical indoctrination in public schools. Virginia is a state, moreover, with a heavy, a heavily college-educated suburban managerial class wealthy voting population, exactly the kind of voters thought lost to the GOP forever. Now, part of this is also, and I know I'm going to probably hack off some Trump supporters when I say it, it's not a personal insult, just different candidates are attractive to different people, but a lot of these voters refuse to vote for Republicans because of Donald Trump. And you may not like to hear that, but that's true. There are people that did not want to vote for Republicans because they did not want to empower Donald Trump with Donald Trump out of the picture, at least for this race. They felt uh, more empowered to vote for a Republican, number one. Number two, the fact that these people are college educated means they have intimate and personal knowledge of some of the garbage that is being promoted in K-12 education, but also in colleges at the university, right? They, they know this because they've been subjected to it themselves. They've been subjected to it at the workplace and their kids are being subjected to it. And because of COVID, they are now aware to the extent at which their kids are being subjected to it. And this may come as a shock to Democrats, but calling parents racists for objecting to this radicalism being injected into their kids' curriculum. And it is, by the way, because right now Democrats are still in denial that this is not even happening. I don't know. It's a fake issue. I've got audio. We're going to take a listen to it. These Democrats, are, are they're, they're still in denial that critical race theory and all of the ancillary and related uh, ideologies, that this stuff is in, is in the schools. They think, oh, you just don't want to learn about slavery. That's what they're chalking this up to. Democrats, please, I implore you, maintain that position. Just hold on to that position for as long as possible. Okay, just keep denying that. I appreciate it. America appreciates it. I got something for you. Here you go. Uh, Carolina's Veterans Day Festival. Come join WBT and me and Vince Coakley. We're all going to be down there at Truist Field, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., home of the Charlotte Knights. Uh, It's going to be Thursday, November 11th, Veterans Day, the family-friendly event. It's going to start up at 8.30. Activities uh, get underway at 9. Stuff like a CrossFit boot camp style workout. There's yoga. There's inflatables. It's all courtesy of the Knights and the Panthers, so the kids will have stuff to do. They can meet Homer the Dragon as well. Um, You can browse the uh, veteran-owned business booths. You can meet with representatives from local corporate employee resource groups as well. And then um, at noon, Bo Thompson's going to emcee the presentation of Community Awards. So it's all going to happen on uh, Veterans Day, November 11th, the Carolina Veterans Day Festival, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Truist Field. Hope to see you there. Um, there's a fella. His name is Shant Mesrobian. I'm not kidding. That's his name. Shant 
Mesrobian. And he writes for Inquire. Um, it's a newsletter. He also has a, a sub stack. He's a writer out of San Francisco. And he says, I don't know why Democrats did so poorly last night. But one possibility is that their entire theory of governance is based on paternalism, hysteria, conspiracy theory, censorship, moral superiority, virtue signaling, and a complete indifference to people's material well-being. I mean, that could be it. Maybe. So I want to reassess that. Van Jones had some thoughts on this uh, on CNN last night. Let's see if, uh, oh yeah, I do have that audio. Hang on a second. Here we go. I think that the Democrats are coming across in ways that we don't recognize that are annoying and <laughs> offensive um, and seem out of touch in ways that I don't think show up in our feeds when we're looking at, at, at our kind of echo chamber. Yeah. <laughs> Guys. Guys. Is it possible that we're the baddies? Have you seen this video? Have you? I don't even know what it's from. It's a classic, though. It's a skit. These guys who are obviously like, you know, Nazis, and they're they're doing some, you know, like these two guys, and they're just talking. It's like the middle of the night. They're like digging a foxhole or something, and they're like, "Is it possible we're the baddies?" Like, there's this moment of self awareness. Lefties, yeah, maybe. Maybe your entire theory of governance, of paternalism, hysteria, conspiracy theories, censorship, moral superiority, virtue signaling, and a complete indifference to people's material well-being may be not a winning strategy. Also, calling people racist because they don't want to view everything through the racism prism like you guys want us to. Maybe not also a winning strategy. Oh, Joy Reid had some thoughts on this point. Let's take a listen there. That the coronavirus or that the virus it was a very has low not importance to many yes, of the voters there. Was it was education, right. which is code for white parents don't like the idea of teaching right. about race. And I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> oh race is just the most palpable tool in the toolkit used to be of the Democratic Party back right. in the day when they were Dixiecrats, and now of the Republican Party. It just is powerful. Yeah, that's it. See? So when you say education, what you really mean is you don't want to, as a white person, you don't want your kids learning about race. They're still going with this. This was, now, to be fair, last night on MSNBC, I'm pretty sure the uh, the delivery of the meds was delayed somehow. That's the only explanation that I could come up with after watching. And I did. I watched about an hour of their coverage and whoo, <laughs> really amazing. Yeah. Like Joy Reid's insane. She's just insane. The stuff that she said, I mean, that's, it's a perfect encapsulation of it right there. That when, when white people say education, what they mean is they don't want to learn about race. That's what they mean. Yeah, no, that's not what they mean. They mean the education system that is run predominantly by Democrats sucks. That's what they mean. That's what they mean. That's what I mean. Now, look, I admit I'm more of a radical on this. I would very much like to see the entire K-12 GovCo model of education destroyed. Destroyed, Pete? Like all the way? Yes, all of it to the ground. I would like to see it. Now, I'm a pragmatist. I'm a realist. I recognize that my position is not the majority position. I recognize this. So I'll meet you halfway. 
just give parents the choice to let them take their kids out of failing schools so they're not sentenced to a life uh, of, you know, either prison because they never learned to read by grade three, the whole school to prison pipeline that you guys talk about. You guys talk about this. You guys on the left, you're all about the school to prison pipeline. But when then I come along and say, hey, let's break up that school part of that equation. You're like, no, no, no. The answer is no prisons. Oh, OK. Yeah, that makes sense. So still don't teach the kids to read. Just don't have any prisons for when they turn to a life of crime. <laughs> this is brilliant. Yeah. Your ideas suck. Sorry. I usually don't like to use the term. But today I feel like it's warranted. You need some tough love here. You do. Also, my condolences, rest in peace, to whatever you guys were trying to do with the Build Back Better BS. Sorry about that. Don't think that's going to happen now. Message received by Joe Manchin. <laughs> this is... uh this is not the leftist utopia that AOC and the uh, the lefties inside the Democratic Party have been convincing the administration that we're in. It's just not it's just not the case. You had a lot of people that were repulsed by Trump that went to the Democrats and now they are equally repulsed by you guys. <laughs> so they are now leaving. Uh, it's one of the things about the mushy middle. They're kind of mushy. Yeah, they're they're kind of mushy, as uh, as one uh, well, uh, uh, Larry Shaheen has said this. He uh, the local lawyer guy. He's a political consultant guy. He says like th- there's a they 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 go back and forth, right? They move back and forth, disloyal, if you will. They will they will jump ship. I said this. I've said this before. I'll say it again. The unaffiliated voters don't want to be embarrassed, and frankly, some of the stuff you guys are promoting it's embarrassing. There's also something, I learned this a long time ago, um, when you are, this was a consultant, a guy by the name of Holland Cook, I believe was his name, um, or is his name, I don't think he's passed away, but uh, he's a talk radio consultant guy, and he talked about caller-driven topics, and he said, uh, have a you question, a you cue, the you question is a question that has the word you in it, anything that gets between you and your parking space, anything that gets between you and your money, or anything that gets between you and your kids. Yeah. Education. Pretty big topic right there. It it gets people engaged. Education gets people engaged. And Democrats have had free run on that topic for a very long time. Uh, and uh, now they don't. an email here from jerry hey pete love you love the show back at you jerry saw yunkin last night in front of a huge banner it was solid blue any symbolism you think or he just likes the color yeah i don't know i i don't know i look and i get it there are people that get paid way too much money to make decisions and advise campaigns about the color of the banner behind the candidate when he speaks i am not one of those people um, as I don't know, I'm sh- like, yeah, you very well could be right. Like they, he could have put his name against the blue background in order to trick Democrats. <laughs> I guess as possible. Who knows? Right. I don't, uh, it's possible. Anything is possible in politics. Get this. Listen to this. This is great. All right. Up in New Jersey, which, oh, do you know what the worst part about the election up there in, um, uh, in New Jersey and all the results, all of the results in Jersey, the very worst part 
Yeah, it's it's still Jersey. That's yeah, still just it's New Jersey. So uh, even though Murphy appears, so it, it sounds like this is Dave Wasserman with the uh, what is he with there? The Cook Political Report, right? He says it looks like he's eked out a statewide win. Democrats collapse in blue collar parts of South Jersey is breathtaking, including State Senate President Steve Sweeney, Democrat currently trailing a truck driver who spent $153. (laughs) I think I, I think I speak for everybody when I say it's really important that we all unite together. Now that the election is over, we all need to come together. By the way, the reason I am saying this so often is just as a heads up, just like you guys on the left, if you're listening to this right now, Just like you don't want to hear people on the right saying this to you. You shouldn't say it to people on the right after you win the elections. I've never understood. Like, I I get the spiking of the football, but this, it's really important that we now unite together for the the country. And no, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not what the country's about. Like, that's that, you know, you know what countries do that? Totalitarian countries do that. Yeah. After they have their, quote, election, that everybody gets behind the guy in charge. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not that's not how we roll here. Not our jam in America. But I love this guy. His name is Edward Durr. And his video, I just retweeted it. He's got a, a campaign video that appears to have been shot on a smartphone, um, <laughs> which might have been, like, I don't know what he spent $153 on, but, like, yeah, he just unseated the state Senate president, Democrat Steve Sweeney. Now, in reading through the replies, I have seen this sentiment expressed by talking heads all over the place, including um, Greg Sargent. He's a columnist for the Washington Post. But listen to this. This is what people on the left are chalking up yesterday's loss to. And by the way, like I'm under no illusion here. Right, the the historical trend for whatever party holds the White House is to lose seats, is to lose power in the subsequent election cycles. And part of this is because uh, people vote and, and they'll 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 register a a check or a balance, if you will, on the party that's in power of you know in the White House, or it's because they're registering dissatisfaction with something. But usually, my view on it is that. They're not as motivated because they just won. When you win, you're now expecting your people to do their thing. And you're like, whew, my job is done. I just went out and voted and that's it. Mission accomplished, right? Like, And and so there's this complacency that sets in. Whereas the people who have lost, they're angry. And that is a heck of a motivating factor for people to go out and now run candidates, raise money, and vote. It's a lot easier to be against. I mean, anybody in debate knows this, too. Like this, when you go into a debate, just generally speaking, all things being equal, right, taking the negative position, being able to attack something is usually an easier thing than to defend something. Okay, so um, this is what the left is telling themselves, though, in the wake of what is a really, like. I mean, the I'm almost of a mind to just not say anything because I think America is going to be better served 
if Democrats just get wiped out in next year's election. By the way, Charlotte City Council, how are you guys feeling today? Better or worse? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you moved your elections to next year, thinking you thinking things going to be better for you then? Yeah, we shall see. Um, this is what the left is telling themselves as to why they lost the race in Virginia, but I also other races as well, I guess. Quote, the thing is, many people, not just New Jersey, are unhappy only because right-wing propaganda instructs them to be. The first priority needs to be countering the right-wing outrage machine, which clearly is effective in get out the vote. This is... <laughs> This is what they're telling themselves, that I made you do it, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> right, I and I guess all of the other people at WBT, all of the other hosts, like, we're the reason why Glenn Youngkin won the Virginia gubernatorial race. It has nothing to do with Terry McAuliffe, the Clintons, the Democratic Party, any of the policy prescriptions by the Democratic Party. Right, None of that matters. None of the excesses of the left in the culture war battles, none of this stuff had any role. It's just the right-wing media. I'm old enough to remember when the left used to mock the right because the right's response to almost everything was the media. Right? Conservatives have long made a living out of bash on the media, right? I'm raising my hand here because, like, it's just, it's a target-rich environment, folks. So now we got the people on the left who are making an argument that it's the right-wing media that's to blame for tricking all of these voters. So many people to swing. I don't know what, I guess, I guess we got a lot better since November. Just in 11 months, the right-wing media has really upped our game. <laughs> now really keep believing this this is totally the reason why you lost <laughs>